Another very busy week around Ripley High School, so we have a jam-packed show for everyone this week, Rube. I had a chance to visit with former Viking basketball player who also served as a head coach for the boys' team for two seasons, as well as a current Viking sophomore who's starring for Luke Parsons' team uh, as we speak. Rube, what'd you have this week? Well, I got caught up with a Stanford University runner, Tori Starcher, a Marshall soccer player, Olivia Gandy's coach down for the Thundering Herds. I spoke with him. Uh, also, Alderson brought us baseball player Lane Casto, a Ripley graduate, Coach Cam Phelan of the Ripley's middle school wrestling team, and with Jay Robinson, a Ripley grad who has turned golf into an interesting career. Former Lady Vikings soccer standout Olivia Gandy is the starting midfielder at Marshall University. Her coach, Michael Swan, says she's living up to expectations. Coach uh, Olivia Gandy, uh, although she's a, a relative newcomer to your program, it looks like uh, she's been a pretty consistent uh, contributor for the Thundering Herd. Yeah, she's a, she's, Olivia's a competitor. Um, she's um, absolutely one of those uh, student-athletes who just relishes competition. Um, she's uh, She came in, obviously everybody came in in the fall, and it was a indifferent fall season. Um, and we looked at some of the tendencies of our players, and, you know, Olivia stood out to be a kid that could certainly um, step on the field and compete right away, um, not just within the program, but obviously with the rigors of Conference USA and Division One soccer. Um, we, we knew that she could... Um, definitely made that step um, and she's done that um, up to this point and, and obviously the biggest challenge com- comes now with a lot of games in a short amount of time uh, but we feel confident that she's she's got the, the mentality and the ability to to do that so very happy with her, her development so far and and what specifically do you look from uh, look for from Olivia as far as far as actually being on the field what is her role so she's very energetic. Um, she's she's proven that as, as a high school player and a club soccer player. Um, she's very energetic. She she likes to get around the field. She loves to get on the ball. Um, she loves to go hunting the ball as a midfielder. So she's got all the attributes to be, you know, combative midfielder for us. Um, we'd like to be like to be a lot better on the ball, but that just comes with time. Um, the pace of the game. Division one soccer is a lot, lot quicker than what it is um, in club and high school, so she, she's trying to manage that a little bit better. Uh, but showing her film and working with her on a daily basis, she's she certainly came on leaps and bounds. So she's complimenting and she's playing with a, a senior right now in the midfield, and I think she's probably learning quite a lot from her. Um, so you know you can see the progress that she makes every single every single time you step on the field. Excellent, Coach. Thank you very much for your time, and and good luck uh, with the Thundering Herd. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. Marshall was a recent winner over Appalachian State to even their record at 2-2. The Herd travels to Miami this weekend to take on Florida International. Ripley made quick work of the Scott Skyhawks on Tuesday evening. The Lady Vikings jumped out to a big early lead as we hear from Joe Linville on WZAC in Madison. Ripley's going to go for one shot. Fires it down to the corner to Ryan. She'll go run on one with Shea Miller. Now she'll come back out to near midcourt. Trying to get the ball set up for a shot. Hall has the ball. She'll come to the top of the key dribbling the ball. Back across to Roush. Roush thinking about it. 
Now she gets it to Hall. Now they're just kind of playing a little. They'll go into the paint, and luckily on the rebound and the ball, nobody can find the handle. It goes out of bounds. And at the half, the score, the Lady Vikings of Ripley High, 28. Lady Scouts of Scott High 4. You're listening to Girls High School Basketball on WZAC and the Scout Sports Network. Coach John Kennedy's team won that game 51-17. to The 4-3 and Lady Vikes had a Friday game with Lincoln County postponed. They faced Point Pleasant in back-to-back games on Monday and Tuesday. Hey fans, check out the Ripley Vikings collection at swifteesapparel.com backslash Ripley Vikings. Use the coupon code VIKING360 for a 10% discount. It's Ripley Viking Apparel made right here in Ripley. He's part of a third generation of Viking wrestlers. Mike Rubin caught up with Ripley Middle Assistant, Cam Phelan. One of the success stories of this athletic season in the Ripley community has been the Ripley Middle School wrestling team. They have wrestled uh, 11 matches at this point and they have been successful in 10 of them. And we're talking with uh, the assistant coach at uh, Ripley Middle, uh, Cam Phelan. Cam, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me on, Rick. Cam, your your uh, history in wrestling goes back. I know your father, uh, Bobby, was involved in the the youth wrestling program, and then you were involved. Uh, your brothers, uh, Ty and Seth, were both involved, and and now your son Eli is also involved. So I guess the the Phelans have sort of a a legacy of wrestling as it will as it would be. Yeah, yeah. We started off in uh, Newport. That's where we started our league career at. Uh, I moved up here in the fifth grade in '96. And Cam, I know for a wrestling team to be successful, you can't just have talent in a few weight classes. You have to have strength uh, from the lightweight guys all the way up through the lineup. And uh, that apparently is—is is that how you would describe this year's team at Ripley Middle? Yeah. Yeah, but we're, we're pretty much a full team. We're giving up one weight class at 145. And I think that's the, the full standard that Griffiths had in a while. So, yeah, we, got, we have athletes at all, all weight classes, too. So what kind of goals have you set for this group? I know it's a talented group, and you have a mixture of younger wrestlers and 8th graders. I believe you had uh, eighth, 8 eighth, uh, graders who were honored on 8th grade night, so you have a good blend there. But what is your uh, goal for this team? Uh, we set three goals at the beginning of the season. Uh, one was to win all their doorways, win Wood Counties, and win WCVs. So now we're shooting for two of the goals. The WCV this weekend, so I want to come here. Than a Wood County uh, league night. So, what is it about uh, wrestling that was attractive? Uh, I guess it started with Bobby and, and went on down to his three sons. But what is it about the sport that was attractive to the Phelan family? Uh, just get out there and compete. Uh, Showing what, show what you got. Just you against another guy. Uh, there's this competition for the. I'll three or I'll take my brothers. And that's, that's all we got. Got involved in it. 
So, Cam, you, we were saying that the record is 10-1. Uh, when is your next match, and who is that against? I'm going to go with the NFC Season 9 this Friday and Saturday. Friday night will be 78-pounders to 116. You know, that's what all the way through. And Saturday morning will be uh, 123 through heavyweight. And, and Cam, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the WSAZ Invitational is more or less considered the, the equivalent of a state tournament on the middle school level. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's, that's correct. Um, but being COVID, there's not going to be as many teams. It was an invite-only tournament this year. Usually there's 30-some teams down there, and this year there's only eight. So we was, we was fortunate enough to get invited to this tournament. Well, Cam, I appreciate your time, and good luck to uh, you and the Ripley Middle School Vikings, and hopefully you continue the, the winning ways. All right, thank you for having me on. The high school wrestling team is in action at home on Saturday. The Vikings will have a noon match against the Sissonville Indians. He's entering his third season as the starter in the infield for Alderson Broadus Baseball. As Ripley grad Lane Casto explains, the Battlers are on the field this weekend after a delayed start. AB is now a member of the Mountain East Conference. Well, the college baseball season has been underway uh, for a couple of weeks for most of the teams in this area. It got off to a rather slow start, uh, and that happens this weekend at Alderson Broadus. And we're talking with former Viking standout Lane Casto. Lane, what was the situation uh, there at AB? Well, Rube, uh, like a lot of other teams, we had a little bit of a COVID situation. We probably, there was probably about a dozen of us in quarantine. Unfortunately, one of them was me as well. But we're all finally out now. We've been practicing for a couple of weeks, and we're just excited for the season to start this weekend. And uh, tell me, uh, how do things look for the Battlers here in 2021? Uh, well... We think we match up well in the MEC now. We're definitely excited to be in the conference. Didn't really like all that travel in the GMAC, going to places like Michigan and Nashville just for conference games. And uh, we're we're just we're ready. We're ready for the MEC. And what will your role be on the team this year, Lane? Uh, right now, it's looking like I'm going to be starting at third base, just like for the Vikings. That's that's great, and, and this coming weekend uh, you take you uh, make a little Canola Valley tour there. You're taking on uh, the University of Charleston, and you're going to see a couple of your former high school teammates uh, when AB takes on West Virginia State. I guess uh, that has to be somewhat exciting for you. Oh, it's definitely exciting. I'm excited to see the guys. Excited to compete against them again. I haven't really seen them for a while with all this COVID stuff going on, but it'll be fun. I'm excited. Okay. Lane, thank you so much for spending time, and uh, good luck this season with the Battlers. Thank you, Thanks for having me. In a COVID-interrupted season a year ago, Lane started all 12 games for AB. The previous year, he hit 309 with 23 runs batted in. He drew only six walks, but Casto was hit by a pitch 13 times. Golf has taken him from Ripley High to West Virginia Wesleyan and now to one of the premier courses in the country, 
Jay Robinson talks with Mike Rubin. For some people, uh, golf is a great hobby, but for our next guest on Viking 360, golf has been a career. We welcome to the podcast, class of 1975, graduate of dear old Ripley High, Jay Robinson. Jay, good to hear you. Good to be with you, Mike. Jay, going back to your high school days, you uh, were on a rather dominant uh, golf group that went through Ripley High under the leadership of Coach uh, Curtis Sayre. And as I recall, the Vikings won the uh, conference championships all four years that you were in high school. It must have been pretty nice to dominate there for a while. Yeah, actually, um, you know, I think back to those times to a lot of those guys that I played high school golf with, and, um, you know, that was some of the most fun times of our lives. And, of course, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that we were all little angels or anything, but when it was time to play, (laughs) um, we could play. And uh, we were able to set a couple of nine-hole school records along the way, you know, a lot of... A lot of guys like Rick Simmons and, you know, Steve Brown and uh, some guys that that could play. And we had some depth, and uh, and then from there, it, um, it got infectious. And so, you know, a couple of guys that came in behind me are still in the golf business today and doing very, very well. Um, but uh, I do remember that my freshman year, and we had you know four good players in front of me. I don't even remember what number I was playing. But coach, coach there, you know, coach wasn't a great player, but and he didn't he didn't need to talk to us a lot. But when he did talk, we listened. He coach had a Vega at the time that we would take the matches, and I. If I recall right, the thing had four gears in it. Since I was a freshman, I had to ride in the middle on the way up, <laughs> uh, wherever it was we were traveling at a given time. And uh, it, but fortunately, we we came home by score, so I was that was a little bit more of a motivator to go out and play well. Um, but. Um, you know, I really enjoyed those times, and uh, those LK championships uh, were big for us. And um, we did reasonably well in the regionals. I think you're probably aware we we went AAA my freshman year, and so we were playing against a lot larger schools and a lot larger regionals against some really good players. And in those days, they took two teams, and I think it was two individuals, but but. Anyway, uh, we had some success, and um, and again, you know, I, I look back on those days and those guys, you know, some of whom are with us and some are not, uh, but uh, those were great, great times, and, uh, and, and I also played freshman basketball for Coach Sawyer, and uh, he was... He was great to play for, just a good man. And I, I as I said, I uh, and I talked to a few of those guys via Facebook every now and then, and uh, they all seem to be doing pretty well. So, 
And Jay, after uh, playing those matches at uh, Green Hills, you went on to play at West Virginia Wesleyan, and you were among the uh, the first uh, golfers from Ripley to actually compete on, on the collegiate level. Yeah, um, I had a couple of offers from some schools in the Southeastern Conference. It was a little too far away. Uh, they were schools that really hadn't had a lot of success team-wise, at least in, in golf. And my mother and my grandfather both went to Wesleyan, um, and they had a great coach at the time. Uh, obviously, we didn't always play in the best weather. The season was similar to what it was at Ripley, maybe even a little bit shorter, but played some good golf courses. Uh, played for a fellow named John Myers. John's brother was the head coach at Duke for years. <laughs> Um, and so I went there with the intent of playing golf and basketball. Uh, didn't play much basketball, but played golf all four years, made all conference a couple times. Uh, you know, we, we played a lot of the state park courses, played a lot of good matches against some larger schools, which was penalty. And, um, I didn't. I didn't win any big events in college. I won a few of our college events here and there. Um, and a lot of those guys were guys that I had played against in high school. We're talking with uh, Ripley graduate Jay Robinson. And Jay, let's fast forward to, to today. You're now uh, living in the Jacksonville area, and you're at a rather prestigious uh, golf course uh, working on their staff. Explain uh, where you are and what you do. Well, when I semi-retired, which was about a year and a half ago, I wanted to find a way to stay close to the game. Um, I actually fired a resume out to the PGA Tour. Um, PPC Sawgrass is actually owned uh, by a company called the parent company's TPC Properties, and we have 27 clubs across the country. So literally within 24 hours, I get a response back from my current boss, who is uh, has been a head professional at two different TPC clubs, and he's... He asked me to come over if I'd sit down with him. Uh, this was a Friday afternoon. I went over Sunday morning. And this was about two weeks prior to the players in 2018. Um, so he took me on the tour. I'd been over there and played the second golf course, the Valley course. I had played stadium many times years ago. And so the next thing you know, I'm a member of the outside ops group. Um, they wanted some people who had prior experience in the golf business to sort of oversee a, a lot of their younger people. We have a, a group of people in an exchange system where we have some very, very good players that come in and they, they make reasonably good money spending the summer with us and then they may go back out and we'll fill them in with someone else. But we've got 18 people right now. Uh, that work two different shifts. One starts very early in the morning and ends at lunch, and then the other one starts around lunchtime and ends at dark or whenever we're finished. So our responsibility is essentially to greet people and to make sure that they understand the logistics of the whole property. Um, we obviously have a lot of people who 
have TPC Sawgrass on their bucket list. And we get a lot of play from overseas. Uh, we unfortunately lost a good deal of that play during the pandemic, but it, it is gradually starting to come back. And then, of course, uh, play from the West Coast, Canada, Mexico, and so forth is gradually starting to come back, too. We did just... As an example, 311 outings in 2018, and an outing is defined as 16-plus people. Uh, last year, it was less than a third of that because of the pandemic, but we're starting to see all that come back. And typically, our busiest time of year is going to be the six weeks after the year. So from now until at least mid-April or until the weather really starts to heat up, uh, we're going to be very, very busy because people obviously want to play the golf course when it's in primo condition. And then we have the second golf course, which is Dyes Valley, which is very underrated. And um, and then on top of that, uh, we encourage our employees to, to play the golf course. We're able to make tee times uh, within 24 hours if there are available times, and we're able to use those. And um, we can play stadium for three months during the summer months. And, you know, for somebody like me who, again, just wants to stay close to the game and be around some of the best players, we have roughly 50 tour players that live there in the immediate area, whether they're PGA Tour or PGA Tour champions. And that's a lot of fun, too. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun to get to know those guys, all of them. Obviously, would like to have a certain level of privacy, and we try to do the best we can to to make sure that we can maintain that level of privacy, whatever that is. Uh, it's different for different players. There are some that you know will hang out with the members and guests uh, for an entire day and talk if they want to, and others that would prefer not to. And either way, it's fine with us. Whatever it is they want, and. Um, uh, we'll take care. We actually have a player ambassador who uh, does nothing but make certain that our tour players can get tee times, uh, have the golf balls that they want on the practice tee, and so on and so forth. And, and Jay, the tournament uh, just wrapped up, and you were telling me that you do have a rather uh, busy schedule uh, for the for that week. They they keep you uh, on the course quite a bit during that time. Yeah, uh, the six weeks following the players is always busy, and two of our largest outings of the year are during that time. But most people. I think have heard of one is the J Fund outing that's headed up by Tom Coughlin. There'll be a, a lot of great athletes in for that. And then uh, Tim Tebow also has his outing here in, of course, in Northeast Florida. That's huge. And again, a lot of terrific people, and they raise a lot of money. And, and of course, last year those outings got wiped out, unfortunately. Um, but they're back on the schedule this year, and you know our people are all happy about that. Uh, Preparation-wise, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, we have a fleet of 166 golf carts, and you know those carts normally this time of year are all going to be out during the course of the day, and our staff will retrieve those, clean them up and get them ready for the next morning's play, and then the sequence starts all over again. So 
but but I can see um, gradually business levels coming back up to normal, and then as we get up toward the first week or so of June, when it really starts to get warm here, that is more or less our off season. And so play will slow down a little bit then, and by the end of summer, maybe September 15th, and we'll start to get busy all over again. Jay, thank you so much uh, for talking with us. It was great to hear your voice again. Hey, it's great to talk to you, and please give my best to everybody at the Alumni Association. I see their posts, and uh, I, I pay close attention, and it's deeply appreciated. It really is. Mountaintop Media is the official live stream provider of Ripley High School Athletics. Mountaintop Media offers a variety of services, including logo design, photography, videography, audiovisual setup, consulting, and web design. If you're beginning your climb to the peak of success, Mountaintop Media has you covered. Mountaintop Media, your vision through our lens. Go to mtmedia304.com to learn more. He was part of a very good Viking backcourt during his playing days at Ripley High. He graduated in 1991. Cameron Harris can also give his perspective on what it's like to be the head coach at his alma mater. Joined now by a former Viking, former classmate of mine, good friend of mine, uh, basketball, baseball coach at Ripley High School, Kevin Harris. Kevin, thanks for being with me, buddy. Good to be here, Brian. Thank you. We used to do this a lot, man. I miss uh, it, honestly. <laughs> it's like old times. It's been too long. Kev, tell me a little bit about um, your playing days, man. Uh, your team was a little bit ahead of its time, it felt like. Uh, you had a lot of really good players, a lot of interchangeable pieces, big guards yourself and, and Travis Goldsmith. and, and uh, Tell me a little bit about that, man, and how much fun that was for you. Oh, we were a close group, Brian. I think you knew that when we were talking before we got on the air today about this. Um, we did. We were just, it, it was really about relationships to us. Basketball was a big part of it, but I'm still close to all the guys I played with. It's, you know, I'll talk to Travis and Nathan Phillips, Brandon Sisteric, Greg Comer. Obviously, everyone <laughs> loves Greg. Um, we just had a really special group and made a lot of great memories. And again, uh, the, the game was so different then, and, and it's not uh, throwing shade at any of the kids or players today. I enjoyed coaching them. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy reading about them. Uh, but but our group was we were a little bit ahead of the time. You just today it's pretty common to see a a six seven six six kid that can handle the ball or shoot it. Back then you just didn't see that, and we had a lot of guys that were interchangeable. Uh, my junior team had a kid like Aaron Stevenson. Aaron was 6'5", was a real good slasher, great rebounder. Um, Travis and I played a lot in the in the backcourt together, uh, but if we needed, based on a matchup, to play in the front court, then we would go underneath and, and do what we needed to do to help our team. And I, I think that's what was really special um, and how accepting players were of their roles. Again, if, if your role was to go out there and shoot the ball twice a game and, and lock your guy down, you took that role on and did the very best you could to try to help your teammates. Uh, and we could talk a lot about accountability. I mean, it was nothing for us to grab each other by the jersey in the huddle or call guys out. Um, that wasn't bullying or trying to embarrass anyone. It was just trying to make your teammate accountable 
And at the, you know, by the end of the quarter, by the end of that play, it was forgotten about. And, and those were just really special times in my life. Kev, you had to have thick skin back then. You talked about playing with those guys, but you guys played in the Pac-8. I played football in the Pac-8, and a lot of people now don't realize how good of a conference that was. I mean, uh, in the MSAC, you were basically playing those same teams, except they weren't consolidated schools. You had Barbersville, Hurricane, Huntington High, Huntington East, Milton, uh, Parkersburg South, to name a few. That was a really good conference. You guys had to be tough. You had to be thick-skinned with each other. It was just a real physical conference, Brian. It's it's the same as if I talk to my son today or you and I talk about the, the NBA game, and, and not for comparison's sake, talent-wise, but the physicality of the game back then. Uh, it was just a physical style of basketball. And and our group, uh, what I can say about our group, whether and I talk about our group of seniors or the uh, – Kenny Skeen, Kirk Goodwin, Matt Morton, the guys that were a year behind me, or Benji Hunt, Ryan Garns, Aaron, Jimmy Perry, the guys that were a year ahead of me, and especially our group of seniors, we really always wanted to play the best. It, it, and, and I'll credit Coach Harmon. Um, we would set our holiday tournament up. We didn't want to bring people in, even when I coached, that you may be able to cut the nets down. We would try to bring the hardest teams in we could play in that tournament as a measuring stick. And it was really for us. And it, sometimes it wasn't the wins and losses, but it was for us as a group and us individually, we really wanted to play the best players in the area then that, that we could play. You dealt with some injuries, uh, you know, in your career and, and played through them. Talk a little bit about that. I know, I know that was that was a tough time for you. Oh, it was tough. What a lot of people don't realize, we, we played all the time. As soon as one of us got our driver's license and a car full of five of us or probably more than that, it probably wasn't legal, would pack in, <laughs> and we'd head to the rec center in South Charleston to play and try again, trying to play the best players in the area we could play. But we caught old man ball or playing on Sunday night, and that's probably what I deserve for not being in church that night, honestly. But we were playing pickup, and uh, someone had fallen on the court, and it was about three weeks before our season started my senior year. And I came down on a slick spot and a uh, complete uh, left ankle dislocation, uh, which is not a sprain or strain, but when you're looking and your ankle's dislocated, uh, I'll never forget that. Travis and Nathan were there and scooped me up and into the car and over to Jackson General we go. And, um, you know, at that point, everything is a 17-year-old racing through your mind. You, you know, your career's over, your season's over. Uh, they wanted to put me in a hard cast for eight weeks and then start PT. And I just remember begging uh, the orthopedic doctor, and I got lucky. There was a physical therapist in uh, Parkersburg that was from Ripley High School. She graduated from Ripley. Uh, and I would go and rehab twice a day for three weeks, played the whole season with an air cast and heavily taped. But I was able to play and, and have a pretty successful season despite everything. And it, It's just those memories, and, and it's something I wouldn't trade anything for. You had a great career, and, and you had an opportunity to go on and play college basketball, and, and you decided to go in another route. Talk, talk about what was behind that decision. Well, Brian, and a lot of people that don't know me or they see Kevin Harris, the attorney, or the attorney with Harrison Holmes or the city attorney, uh, I grew up very um, a meager background. Uh, we were middle class, but there were probably a lot of times we probably could have used some help, and my parents were too proud to take it. And I just knew academically, if I wanted the life and the career, I was blessed enough to have. I have a great wife who who's my rock. I have great kids. I have a great family. Um, 
I just wasn't someone academic wise that I thought could have the the rigors of playing college basketball and doing the academics I needed to get into law school and have the life I wanted. And that's a tough decision at the time. I I graduated from high school when I was 17. I was a baby in the class and had to make some really hard decisions. Um, Coach Marino, uh, even though he's a football coach, Frank and I were super close. Uh, he had me an invited walk on at James Madison University, Division One school. Not that I was probably even good enough to be there, but they thought I was as a shooter and to play there. Um, several schools in the conference I could have went and played for, but I knew at the end of the day uh, my education uh, was what was going to pay the bills and hopefully give my family the life I didn't have growing up. And that's kind of how that all unfolded. And, and it's a deci- it's worked out for me. It's a decision. You know, sometimes it'll creep in if we're talking about old memories like this, what could have been. But I know I made the right decision. Circle forward to uh, coaching at Ripley High School. Uh, you got to do that for a couple of years. Talk about how that all unfolded and, and what that was like. Sure, some have, have some challenging moments coaching your kid. That's always a difficult thing to do. Talk a little bit about that time. You know, it was really an honor. Honestly, skipping back to before I, I really got into the coaching um, Mr. Hasselfluke was the principal now. He's now the superintendent in Wood County. Uh, I was honored he picked me to be on the selection committee to really try to track down and find the next coach at Ripley High School. Um, you know, I've always had a really good relationship with Coach Anderson, who who followed Coach Harmon for a few years at Ripley uh, early in his career. And um, we ended up finding Evan Faulkner. And I knew as soon as I interviewed Evan and his dad, uh, he was the man for the job. But Evan had other plans in life. I knew he wanted to coach in college. And so Evan leaves the program. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty at that time. And then you have uh, Chase Johnson probably the likely player of the year in the state of West Virginia had left and, and to better himself and, and, and give himself an opportunity to play at Huntington prep. And at that time, uh, Will and I talked about the fact, you know, we had someone who was an excellent person and young coaches and, and coach Parsons and, and coach Mullins, but do you want to throw them into a situation of the player of the year, probably in the state has left. Um, you're playing probably the third toughest schedule in the state that year and looking at what you're losing after that year. And as, at that time, Will asked me if I would coach um, for two years, if I could give him two years to try to mentor some of the younger guys and and try to just do it the right way. Uh, it was a big decision. And I'll be honest, uh, besides Will and my wife and maybe one other person, um, no one else knew that plan, and no one knew that you, you don't want to be labeled as an interim coach. You do that, and the kids, you're afraid you're not going to get the participation and really the uh, the buying in of what you're trying to do. Uh, but it's something I wouldn't trade those memories for anything, getting to coach a first-team All-Stater in Jamison Hunt, uh, getting to coach a kid like Deontay Mosley who had a really hard life. Uh, and we were able to give him some stability here at Ripley and make him part of something that he'd never been a part of. It's those things you hold on to. Obviously, um, you'd have liked to have better results. It was a really tough year that last year. But I think it laid the, the, the foundation, playing a bunch of sophomores and taking your licks, that uh, they grew up a lot that year. And I'm proud of those kids in the following couple years they had on, on being able to put double-digit wins on, on the win column. And I think that's a big thing. And coach, you you know finally we'll we'll bring it back to this. It's family for you. Uh, none of that would have been possible. You wouldn't have been able to uh, accomplish any of that or get that work done without your bride, who I know you is your rock, a wonderful lady that I graduated with. You have two wonderful kids, and your mom and dad, and and your sister obviously. And you're going to 
you're going to well up a little bit because I know how emotional you are about them, but uh, that's your rock, and, and that's what keeps you going every day. It is, Brian. You you know, life's about that, facing challenges. Um, but when you surround yourself by good people, and I was born into that, and that's a blessing. Um, it's just a special thing. Um, probably my greatest accomplishment, and I'll tell anyone, um, people that know me, I'm just not a braggy person. You don't see me on social media. I don't have a Facebook. I, I'm, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not saying, hey, look at me. Everything's so great. I think uh, the generation now, a lot of people have that that pressure because everyone else's lives look so great. Uh, but getting to coach my son, uh, I coached him two years in middle school, uh, two years in high school. Those memories we made, uh, the time in the gym, um, the time shooting on the gun, um, those you can't put a price on that. Our relationship, those interviews, uh, if people were to ask me what I miss the most about coaching, that's probably one of the biggest things. And it's funny, but it's just you and I getting together to, to talk about the challenges a young team faced or what we were going to try to do to compete, obviously playing against maybe a team that's better and how you find those small victories. And, you know, if you could have a three point loss that quarter, but if it's a team that's a lot better at the end of the night, you're losing by 12 or 15, but you know, you help those kids compete and get better. But I'm blessed. I tell everyone that it's not something that, that it was God's plan for me, um, for a career. I, I, you know, I've tried to do it the right way. I've been blessed. I've been the city attorney in Ripley for almost 15 years now. I work with excellent people at the city. I have a very close staff and office family. Again, I have people like you in my life. Um, but but it was a special, it, it really started with those relationships from my playing days. Um, Travis Goldsmith always pushed me to be better. And it was funny. We, we joke. Um, he would compare it to probably Bird and McHale. <laughs> I would say maybe Pippin and MJ. And I'm not sure which role each of us wore and which hat we wore. But we pushed each other every day to be better. We pushed the kids around us to be better. Um, and he was a special player. And I knew if I was going to compete and do what I needed to do to represent our community in that school in that Viking jersey, I had to work really hard to keep up. And I, and I think and in a lot of ways I did the same thing for him. I think if you talk to him, we there was never the jealousy. There was never – Travis got 15 shots this game and I got eight or vice versa, but we just pushed each other to be better. And, and, and that's what I take away from this. And, and to think it's been 30 years since we played, um, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around, but I know we did it the right way. And I don't, I don't know where we compare, you know, it, it's, it's hard to talk about your own career, mm-hmm. uh, but I know we did it the right way. And I know when we hung it up and we played our last game uh, in Parkersburg in sectionals, and we walked off the court, I knew I gave it everything I had for my school, and, and I was at peace with that. Kev, thanks for the time, man. I know uh, Ripley High means a lot to you. I can see it in your eyes. I can see when you talk about your teammates, your former teammates, and and, and the time that you spent there in all of your roles. Uh, it means something to you, and it's good to hear it. And, and thanks for being with us and, and taking the time. Uh, and I really appreciate it. It's really been my honor, Brian. Thank you. This multi-sport athlete is showing his athleticism on the basketball court for Ripley High. Brian Johnson had this conversation with Isaiah Casto following a tough loss Thursday at Lincoln County. Joined now by Viking sophomore Isaiah Casto and uh, Isaiah, tough loss down here at Lincoln County tonight. Pretty good basketball team, the seventh-ranked team in the state. You guys continue to battle. 
but th- just some hot shooting tonight out of them was a little more than we could overcome. Yeah, if we just stick together and play as a team, we'll be all right through the rest of the season. Just a little bit of, a little bit of hard teams to get over, and then once we do get build some team chemistry, we'll be all right. How difficult is it when you're on a losing streak? You got a young basketball team. I know you guys are disappointed. I can see it in your eyes right now. Uh, you leave it all out there on the floor. It seems like your teammates do as well. How important is it for you guys to stay on each other's side, make sure that uh, you guys are patting each other on the back and keeping each other uh, connected and in the game? Yeah, being as young as a team we are, we don't have very good team chemistry. So if we just keep our heads up, we'll be all right that season. Isaiah, you're one of the best rebounders as a guard as I've seen uh, as long as I've been doing this. You seem to have a nose for the basketball. What is it? Uh, when you see a shot go up, is it just instincts? Uh, are you are you just good at uh, figuring out where that ball's coming off? But you're also just super competitive, and you won't give up on it. Yeah, I just go after the ball and hope it comes my way. When you drive into the basket, uh, Jeff and I have talked about it on the radio a few times, how you cup that basketball. It's like a, a, a pro move. I see NBA guys do that with your left hand, and you're able to finish in traffic. Uh, that's an impressive move, man. You're a sophomore. Uh, how much did football help you through that contact when you're able to, to get in there almost like you, you, you just took a, uh, a jet sweep and you're going off tackle with it uh, when you get into the paint? How much did that contact in football and, and, and that help you uh, on the basketball court? Oh, it helped me a ton just being able to take the contact and finish through the people. Making shots. That's what this team needs to do. I think once shots start falling from the perimeter, uh, you're going to see a different uh, different basketball team, especially with our big guys, with Luke and Joey and, and uh, Brady down there. Shots start falling. Things start opening up for them. Yep. Once we start making shots, we'll be all right. Thanks for the time, man. Best of luck. Uh, keep your head up. Got another game Saturday night. And get back on track. Thanks for having me. Now two and four on the season, Ripley has a Saturday night home game with Riverside and then faces those same Warriors again on the road on Monday evening. Hey fans, check out the Ripley Vikings collection at swifteesapparel.com backslash Ripley Vikings. Use the coupon code VIKING360 for a 10% discount. It's Ripley Viking Apparel made right here in Ripley. Tori Starcher and her Stanford University cross-country teammates placed third in this week's NCAA championships. We're talking with uh, Tori Starcher live from the uh, Stanford University in California. Tori, it's so good to hear your voice again. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. So how how are things uh, in Cardinal Country? It's going very well. Um, the weather here has been super nice. It's been sunny all the time, like mid-60s, so I can't really ask for more there. Um, team and school-wise, uh, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm having a very good time. I love my team. You know, I'm having a lot of fun. And school-wise, um, obviously the academics here are a little rigorous, but, um, you know, I am, you know, adjusting to a new schedule, and, uh, you know, I'm really enjoying my time here so far. And and Tori, uh, the uh, the cross country team won the the Pac twelve championships and advanced uh, to the NCAA championships. And tell us about that experience. Yeah, so going into Pac twelve, you know, we obviously you know wanted to come out with the win, and you know to be a part of like you know such a talented team was very exciting. And you know, it was my first year, and you know I haven't uh, raced in 
know, quite a long time. So, you know, being able to be there and experience that, you know, once that my team, you know, realize that we haven't really been training together too long because of um, COVID and, um, you know, it's restrictions from Stanford. So it was nice to see everything come together and, um, you know, see everybody progress. That was really exciting. And, and Tori, uh, cross country in college is not the same as cross country in high school, specifically the distances involved. Can you explain the differences? Yeah, so in um, high school, it's typically a 5K, which is about 3.1 miles. So when you um, transition to college, um, you then run a 6K at national. So it's about 3.7, 3.8 miles. And if you're a runner in college, you're expected to do uh, more than one sport. You just don't run cross country. You run uh, track as well. So tell us about that transition going from cross country to track and when does that take place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so typically if you um, are a cross country runner, I, I would say you um, also do indoor and outdoor track. So um, unfortunately this year because um, cross country um, moves into the, like I guess, winter, spring of um, sports, we uh, were not able to compete in indoor track. But, um, you know, assuming we get our eligibility back, like, that's not an issue, I guess. You know, I'll get another year. But um, now, in a couple days, you know, we'll start training for track. You know, we get a little bit of downtime here to, you know, recover. And then, you know, we'll have a few weeks here in the next couple of weeks for outdoor track. And in high school, you were limited to uh, four sports, uh, four events in track. Is, is it a similar situation in college? Um, yeah, it is. Well, I would say so. Um, normally in college, you know, uh, people pretty much specialize in maybe one or two events. So um, it's, that's not really the case in college just because, you know, everybody is so, um, um, so, uh, um, what I want to say. Everybody kind of specializes in uh, one event. So um, it's better to just focus on maybe one or two events, you know, when you're competing at the national level in college, you know, the um, competition is much different than it would be in high school. So, you know, it's not, it's almost, it's not not possible, but it's very unlikely that you'll see people in like three events at like the national level in college. Tori, everyone in Ripley is, is so proud of you. So congratulations on a great uh, cross-country season and best of luck as you enter track. Thank you so much. Not much of a break for Tori. Her first track meet is the Stanford Invitational beginning April 2nd through the 3rd. Remember, for all the news on the blue, go anywhere you can find podcasts, search Viking 360, hit the subscribe button, and turn on your notifications.